And we're just gonna start into this and it's gonna be, like I'm fine with us kind of like taking our time to kind of find our way in, into the deep conversation. Okay, do you edit these or? Right. I'm trying to edit less. Um, I figure. But if it kind of takes us a little while to get to get going, that's totally fine. So, uh, hello everybody. This is the Montana Gallery Podcast. I'm Tyler Murphy, and I'm here with my friend Karen Mayhews. Karen, will you say hi to the listeners? Hello. Thanks for having me, Tyler. Yeah. So Karen's an artist uh, here in Billings that uh, that I represent, or that the ga- I, that the gallery represents. Um, and uh, we just got back from a couple days of painting in Yellowstone, along with Koala Evans, and that was a lot of fun. And um, so we're kind of recovering from that. We had so many great conversations basically the whole entire time, and I wish that we would have just been recording some of it. We maybe kind of like talked our way to like, uh, kind of talked ourselves out by the end of it, by the time, because we tried to record this last night. We at did, the very on end. the Beartooth Pass. We tried to record this last night at the very end of the trip, and it was just like, well, I think we were, anytime you try to record sometimes, especially on a trip like that, it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't quite work. Like, because uh, like, we got into a really great conversation right after we stopped recording. Right. Well, so that's why, like with this one, I'm okay with maybe taking a little bit of time to kind of warm up and get, hopefully we can get into. Maybe you need secret recording devices so nobody knows they're being recorded. And I do that a lot. Yeah. But then I, I myself know that I'm recording oh. and then I find myself kind of being awkward or being um, really careful in the way I talk. Right. But then you have others that are feeling a little more open because they don't right. know they're being recorded. Mm-hmm. A little more liberty, yeah. Yeah, it's a balance. Or maybe we, maybe I could just be more prepared coming mm-hmm. into a podcast episode, and then maybe I could try to be a professional with it. Professional. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but anyways, today. Well, okay. First, what are we drinking here today? I always like to mention so that people know the. This is fabulous. This is from Evan Eben Coffee Collective. I have an iced uh, coffee Americano. With and it's half from half. Ecuador. It's it's uh, coffee from Ecuador. Ecuadorian, yep. yeah. And I have a an iced Americano. Uh, one actually, he might have put both shots in. He maybe forgot that I'm a one-shot guy. Oh, well, this will be a great podcast then. It, you know, just a lot of act- action if you have two shots. So, um, today we're going to continue talking about... Uh, I'm, I'm still fascinated with understanding modernism, or maybe it's more correct to say modernity and post-modernity. Because um, I think like modernism and post-modernism is, is a little more... Um, like what you would, the terms you would use if you're talking about art and architecture, I think. And, and it, that they're kind of more like movements, right? But I think modernity and post-modernity sort of encapsulate, they're, they're even like higher up. Than you mean it's like the their isms. ideologies that would, that would span a broader sense of our, a broader aspect of humanity or culture than just art and architecture? Yeah, and I wouldn't even say that they're ideologies as much as they're more like kind of epochs um, 
that hold ideologies. Uh huh. What are you? What are your? What is your question about them? What are? What's? What is it about it is interesting to you? And are you finding you're looking for a, what the difference is between them, or um, what the effect has been of um, modernism or modernity and yeah, postmodernity? Yeah, I think that's that's a great question. That's that's sort of the question that I that I hope to answer in doing these is why does this even matter to talk about and to understand these? And I I think. Hopefully we can kind of get around to that. I think that there's something in <clears throat> there's something in understanding postmodernity and and kind of a more relativistic mindset that is useful for us as we move forward, especially right now in a time where uh, it can be hard to sit in the same room as somebody who holds an opposing view. Of yours, mm -hmm. and so that's what I hope that we can get to, kind of in this com in this conversation. I hope that we wind around to that. Okay. But maybe before we get to that, I don't know if we if we want to. We've had a uh, couple emails come in, and maybe we can quickly uh, go over some of that. But actually, before we get to that, you were just looking up some terms. Well, you were trying to... relativism and absolutism, um, just to sort of define a little bit about the conversation um, and probably modernism and postmodernism, just a basic summary might be helpful for those listening that aren't maybe thinking off the top of their heads yeah. what that is. This is actually really what I want to get around to, so I might set the emails aside because I don't know, they could kind of sidetrack us a little bit because this, this is the core of what I want to... So, okay, we'll so, see. And maybe an email has come in that is, is relevant to this definition. Mm -hmm. um, so modernism, it looks like it's um, saying it's a you know, modern character or quality of thought, expression, or technique. Um, so a style or movement in the arts that aims to break with classical and traditional forms. And it's a movement towards modifying traditional beliefs in accordance with modern ideas, especially in the Roman Catholic Church in the late 19th and early 20th centuries. So this is calling it, and then Wikipedia is calling it a philosophical movement. Mm. Um, and the, the, the examples they give for artists is like Henri Matisse and Frank Lloyd Wright. And they're calling it a philosophical movement that, along with cultural trends and changes, arose from wide-scale and far-reaching transformations in Western society during the late 19th and early 20th centuries. Among the factors that shaped modernism were the development of modern industrial societies and the rapid growth of cities, followed then by reactions of horror to World War I. Modernism also rejected the certainty of Enlightenment thinking and many modernists rejected religious belief. So it looks like um, modernism is in, as most things are, in reaction to something else. Okay, I guess that kind of changes, or that's a little different from my understanding in that, uh-oh, we have somebody trying to maybe get in the gallery. No, well, maybe not. No, I guess not. We're sitting right next to the front window <laughs> of, the, of the gallery, so we're watching. We're in the big aquarium that is the front part of the gallery where people can just walk past and people watch us. 
or we can people watch them. That's right. Okay, so that is a little different because see, I thought that postmodernism, postmodernism is more of a something that stems out of a distrust of the certainty that was established during modernity. Um, that that leads and that sort of absolutism can lead to things like World War One, World War Two. Okay. Well, but, but and really, probably these terms are a little loose, um, so it's probably hard to. Well, maybe rather than um, focusing on the terms or even modernism and postmodernism. Maybe you could speak to what aspects of that, because those, you know, anytime we're labeling something, um, of course, like you were saying, it's there are epochs or there are something for a period of time, or there's so much falls within it that maybe rather than speaking and attaching ourselves to those definitions or those terms, we can set those aside and talk to what you, you know, what you're wanting, how you're wanting to apply these thoughts to today and what you're, what you're experiencing in your life right now. Like you're yeah. saying, people dividing each other, maybe talking about politics or concepts. Um, and you're, you know, to, like today where you're in a room with somebody and you're, there's a conflict or it sounds like you're saying people are polarizing, which is to say one person's taking one side and one person's taking the other side. And it creates this dynamic um, you were saying when we were on the Beartooth Pass yesterday that that was one aspect you were interested in was the dynamic that happens when people are either holding very strongly to one belief or um, and then the other person seems to be holding the opposite. So what aspect of looking at um, modernism and postmodernism is interesting to you? What aspect of that is, is are you applying? Because it sounds like you, there's a question that's coming up as you're looking at those two um, what is it underneath it all that you're wanting to find um, peace with or some kind yeah. of resolve? I think it's the idea of understanding absolutism and relativism in a different way than I maybe ever have before. Let's start with kind of defining maybe what relativism is. Okay. As far as I am understanding it, relativism is it's sort of like saying you know, I come at the world um, from my point of view, but my beliefs are kind of, um, they develop out of the kind of brain that I have, the background that I have, where I grew up, what I was taught. Um, <clears throat> growing up in America, and so the beliefs I have are relative. Oh. <laughs> Sorry about that, folks. To music. Yeah. <laughs> so the beliefs that I have are kind of, are, are relative to me, um, and somebody who grew up on the other side of the world has, has obviously a completely different background than I, than I have. And within aesthetics, so there's, and there's different realms that we can talk about all of this in. So there's aesthetics, there's politics, there's religion, uh, there's science, which I can't speak to any of that because I don't I don't understand science. Um, but I think um, you know we can see within aesthetics that there is more. There's kind of two camps usually. There's a camp that's the relativists, and then there's a camp that's more the absolutists. So the relativists would say, 
there there is no absolute truth and that we have no or that we have no access to that absolute truth mm -hmm. so beauty is in the eye of the beholder within aesthetics um, what's true for you is not necessarily true for me in in these other realms in absolutism it's more that no there is there are things like beauty and freedom and justice and democracy and that we can know these things and that we can say that one thing that my idea that I can debate you that I can say that my idea is better than your idea and that I think the key thing is is that that a, like a pure absolutist would say what I what I've come to know as the truth is the best because if because if, it, if they they wouldn't hold on to like a worse idea so kind of a lot of people think that they have the best idea and that they, that that idea should be adopted by everybody so like American democracy is is the perfection mm -hmm. and that's kind of I think key in <clears throat> in understanding it is that the absolutist mindset believes that they have the perfection mm -hmm. oh. so okay so then <laughs> Feel, actually, no. What, I want your, you. To, I want you to continue, uh, and okay. then I'll but then, jump in. So Jacques Derrida, and I don't know much about him, but he's, I think, kind of considered like the father of postmodernism, and he's he starts to break down language, and and starts to talk about like that there are multiple interpretations that one can have, especially towards language and and text. I think that was his his main realm that he worked in um, and that that the way that a certain text has dominantly been interpreted or interpreted uh, might not be the only way to interpret a text mm -hmm. which kind of can open up ideas of like aesthetics that like um, that there's multiple ways to interpret the world um, aesthetically but what he would say though I think is that we are all um, everything is deconstructible so he he's kind of the founder of this idea of deconstruction and he would say that every belief is deconstructible that we can break it apart and look at its components and kind of understand it but the very thing that generates the desire to deconstruct is itself undeconstructible so the very desire to paint, for instance, is what he what I've heard called the absolute call. Which this is this is where it's really cool getting into like mm -hmm. into what what we do as painters. So so we all experience the absolute call of the or we all experience the call of the absolute. For an artist, it's called like the call of the sublime. For a good lawyer, it might be called the call of freedom. But our expressions of uh, our expressions in response to that call are relative. So, sure. So we we go to Yellowstone, and we both experience the absolute call of the sublime sitting there on that bench. Oh, Molly! <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> 
My friend Molly just tried to get in to the gallery, but we're podcasting, so. Um, so we, so to go back to the idea of us be, sitting there in Yellowstone, sitting on the bench, we're both drawn by something, called by something to create. But my expression is much different than your expression and is relative to the brain I have versus the brain that you have. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so here's like the beautiful phrase that I, I think is so cool. It's that a painting is the worshipful act of fidelity to the call of the absolute. There, there we go. That's all I wanted to. That's it. <laughs> That's all I wanted to. End of podcast. <laughs> but, but the, here's here's where the reason why I think it's useful in in understanding it that way is that it then it then allows for us to look at somebody who holds an opposing view from us and go, you know, it they are probably being called to the same kind of ideas that I am. Within them, also they experience the call of things like justice and freedom, democracy, beauty, love. But their expression of it is relative to them. Sure. And so, like, if we hold that, hopefully, hopefully then we're able to, like, hold our beliefs in a way that, that we go, I say that I love these things, that I'm called by these things, but but you, and I'm saying you as a person who maybe opposes my view of something, you think that I fall further from that call than, than your expression of it. So help me to see, help me to see how I've fallen further from that, which is like a different, it allows for being able to be in the same room as somebody that votes differently from you. Sure. Yeah, I think that's where, as I'm listening to you, I, I, I have to say I'm not around a lot of people who are, you know, living in absolutes. I would like to think, mm. and like you were saying, you know, anything can be deconstructed. Hopefully any, everything is deconstructed because, um, you know, there's, there's such a thing as faith where we certainly are believing things that we can't see, but I don't think that's the same thing as absolutism. Um, I think... Anytime you're holding on to something so tightly that it can't have any sort of, um, there's no malleable, nothing malleable about it, then yeah. it's just going to crack. <laughs> uh-huh. So um, by the very nature of holding on to it tightly, it probably will deconstruct itself. Uh, yeah. And we can hope that for people, especially as art. It's interesting talking about this with you, and even as I look around the gallery, you know, most of the gallery um, is, there's a lot of, you know, I'd say, impressionist painting and the more sense of realism um, or naturalism and then I'm an abstract expressionist and so certainly I wouldn't want people to say that my work is invalid because it's not like the other artists here that are capturing an actual waterfall or an actual flower or an actual landscape when my work is mostly already deconstructed into abstract and so um, in that sense like you're saying aesthetics can you know hopefully they can be they're just they are well they are relative 
and we are all going to have a different flavor that we bring to the table. I suppose there can be people who, and there are people um, who can go to a contemporary museum and say, well, I could do that, right? you know. And so that's, in that sense, that person might have hold the sense of absolutism because they're thinking that absolutely is not artwork. That's something anybody could do, and therefore it doesn't have value. But they're, what they're discounting is that it was, within, it was created within a context that was maybe in response to something. Yeah. And then it's the context in which it was created that is the profound aspect of the art and maybe the beauty of that piece. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to having conversations with people that you're polarized with, what I hear you saying is that your, your heart maybe or your, your thoughts go to the division that happens when people are discussing topics and that, that maybe you're just asking for a wider um, mindset for people who are getting into a place where they're almost arguing with people about what's right um, and you know, is there a place for that? And um, do we have common beliefs that we can agree upon? But I think it more comes to the people at hand or the the subjects that in that moment making agreements on. Okay, let's agree to these concepts or maybe rules of engagement, um, and then we can operate from there. So it seems like it's more like a an ongoing conversation rather than, you know, absolutism versus rel you know, relativism or, you know, like um, George Santayana wrote a book called The Sense of Beauty and he really takes incredible consideration of what, how humans all end up finding the same things beautiful. Like we take Yellowstone Park, we go to our national parks, we were, you know, you and Koala and I were there for two days and you see, you know, thousands of people are gravitating to you know, the grand prismatic pool or, yeah. you know, old faithful or, and I think there's something there. There's absolutism in the sense that something, there's some core value of the beauty in these things that's drawing thousands of people from all over the world to come and see these very specific locations. Right. And it's not just that we've said, this is a national park, so it's, you know, it's hip and cool and you're awesome if you go see it. We are, it's not some kind of marketing scheme or some sort of, you know, plot to, you know, for consumers to be taken. It's really something we do inherently within ourselves agree that this is beauty. So th there's some absolutism I'm sensing in that. Yep. There is absolute beauty in these particular places. Yep. Santayana goes into why, you know, why we believe these things are beautiful. A lot of it is just, you know, an aspect of ourselves that we see in these things, you know. Mm -hmm. um, hmm, that's cool. But, you know, so I see absolutism there. The relativism of it is, I think, what we do with it. Yeah. You know, how, what we see and then how we take that in. You know, we heard, we were on the boardwalk painting... And it was fun. You were saying, you know, things you overhear in Yellowstone Park, like mm. things you overhear in San Francisco or LA. That's the smell of disgusting. Yeah, that's the same thing. And certain people, you know, I heard people complaining, oh, I don't know why my husband wants to see all these things. She wasn't in the absolutism. <laughs> She's definitely in the relative camp. Um, he's just taking pictures. I could just sit at home and look at the pictures. There was the that's one. That's what she said. That was the one person I heard. <laughs> I think maybe he was showing her his photos 
on his camera and she was getting tired of him showing her the photos ah, he was taking so yes. she was responding to so his so she was just wanting to be his there photos, in the moment and she was really appreciating the place she just yeah. wasn't appreciating sure. the the imitation of the place which is understandable yeah um but for the most part you know then there were people just taking it differently people would stop for very long periods of time and look some people would just walk past it and check it off the list so they could say they were there some people were able to be very present some people were not so but there's something absolute in these locations yeah to draw that many people yeah um so i like thinking of absolute being that way like you know i think most people can can understand the sense that there's something bigger than ourselves yeah but the but there's so many different ways of defining what that is yeah so so being friends with you and learning more about abstract expressionism learning kind of being more involved in uh, or just learning more about abstract art which I would say I haven't done a great job we haven't really talked about that too much because usually we're talking about other things but my um, just being around you and being around your art also allows me to consider it, it's like it you help me become a better realist painter and hopefully I help you become a better expressionist painter. Absolutely, right. Um, and that's where this guy Rollins that I really like, he talks about what if there's like, say, a Christian community that goes, he calls this his, the evangelism project. What if there is a group of, and he actually did this in Belfast, that he would go with a group of fellow Christians and go to different communities, Muslim communities, humanist communities, and, and basically as Christians they would say, tell us what you believe. And of course, you know, the, the idea being um, that, that that community could evangelize them. But the real conversion happens when the Christians then say to the Muslims, what is it like to be a Muslim? in Belfast surrounded by a bunch of Christians and then so then that gives voice for the Muslim community to kind of speak their anxieties and their frustrations and to point to things that the Christian community was blind to so in a sense the Muslim community helps evangelize the Christians into becoming better Christians mm -hmm. and so like hopefully you can kind of evangelize me into becoming a better mm -hmm. painter within the way that, you know, that I paint, or I could help you become a better painter in the way that you paint. Did you hear what I said earlier? I said, absolutely. When you said that, I said, absolutely. Nice. So there's something absolute in being exposed to something different than what you are. And that's what I hear you saying in this story about the folks looking to be evangelized by someone from another religion mm -hmm. or you know more that, that we should that other people who believe differently than us can give us the best critiques that can help us become help us become better versions of whatever position that we hold sure because we kind of tend to to block off um, and sort of 
just like we should be able to argue just as strongly the 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 opposite side of what we hold i think what i hear you talking about and i fully agree with this is underlying all of this and underlying all of the definitions is holding a sense of curiosity yeah so to me what's just screaming out loud and i can see it like written on the wall in flames right now or like beautiful <laughs> actually beautiful colors not really flames because talking about religion that doesn't sound eyes. right i know um is the word curiosity mm. because as soon as we you know i could you know even going out to paint with you in koala there was a part of me that was very humbled and 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 you know mystified and you know just to sit down i haven't really sat down to do plein air painting in a very long time but the sense of curiosity that i had about how it's done and even you know always watching you paint there's just such a sense of curiosity about what your approach is and the same with other religions i think what you i hear you saying is that they found this curiosity and they were asking questions about people who believe something so different than them and as soon as we stop being curious by the very nature of the lack of curiosity we're creating barriers and walls yeah and that's the kind of absolutism that maybe the postmodernists were rejecting you know right. and so um but to get away from those terms and to be more applicable to where we are today and how and what and the human experience you know there is the epistemology of belief so we don't you know we're all deriving our knowledge from different um, influences you know through our dna or cultural influences and grander political influences but underneath it all and in spite of all of those things, if we hold a curiosity for everything, and that doesn't mean we're accepting everything, but if we hold a curiosity for it, then we are, by the nature of doing so, able to receive, and like you're saying, probably even confirm what is, becomes true for ourselves. And, and you're, in curiosity, you're also... I shouldn't say we're, you're not accepting other things. You're just not necessarily becoming those other things. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm watching you paint and seeing what you see when we're, you know, at a geyser or a wherever we are, and it creates a curiosity. But that doesn't mean that I'm going to go become a landscape artist. Absolutely, yeah. But it does make me a better artist and I may want to add that you know I'm also learning other skills I mean I can still learn other skills and work towards you know towards having the skills to do those things and have options in my work but the curiosity of about the curiosity for things that are not what we are is our norm mm -hmm. it always will expand us and that's loving you know, being curious is loving. Yeah. Um, it opens up conversations rather than closing them down. Yeah, and I've heard it said that, like, that the hope of the world is in the well-trodden paths between houses. Yeah. Um, and I think maybe especially, and the guy who I was listening to talk about that was talking about the um, the conflicts in Northern Ireland, Ireland the the um, what's that called? 
the the warring back and forth between Protestants and Catholics. Mm -hmm. I forget what the name of that is. The, anyways, if what ends up happening, like if you can't, you mentioned walls and building walls, and like the problem with building a wall is that it it takes away the possibility of working together mm -hmm. in the future. Even though you, you maybe still will hold a belief that's different from, from this other person. But as long as there's not a wall between you, the possibility to one day uh, work together is always there. Mm -hmm. But as soon as that wall is erected, it becomes, becomes inconceivable to ever work with that person. Sure. And so, like the maybe the hope, the hope of the world is in the well-trodden paths between people who hold op opposing ideas. Yeah, or same, or they think they hold same ideas, and without curiosity, they don't even really know. You know, they've just some, there's flag waving. You know, like oh, I'm on this team, mm -hmm. so everything this team does is going to be okay with me. Mm -hmm. There's safety, and there's safety in that. So I'm going to believe this. I'm part of this club now, I'm on this team, and there's going to be safety for me if I say everything for this team is good and everything for the other team is bad. Mm. And so it's a natural human thing to want to be part of a team and then to be building that team. You want to add people to your team, and if people are not, don't seem to be on your team, you want them out. Yeah. And that's just a very, it's an immature way of thinking. Of existing, yeah. It's just not, you know, as we're as we're maturing into, um, you know, I just think the humans are maturing. It's like there's there's possibilities now where we are looking at, you know, accepting everyone. Mm. That doesn't mean that you're accepting what they're doing or their all their beliefs or you're agreeing with them, but there's a a sense of loving and accepting all people. And then you can be curious, and then those people can even let their belief, their beliefs transform. They might end up, they might actually believe the same thing you do. But if you've created a wall, you're allow, you're just you're reinforcing their wall. Yeah. Because they're on the other side, so yeah. it, the wall exists for them too. Right. And the more it's like trying to fight the Hulk, like the more you try to attack a position, the stronger they become in that position. Mm-hmm. That's where that idea too, like we were talking, coming down the past about, you know, two people, like a couple could, could, you know, kind of have like a small disagreement about some issue. And then uh, all, all of a sudden though, the, the tension in the two sides ramps up a little bit. And before you know it, the two are arguing like they're world experts on, on it. Mm -hmm. And the way to... The, kind of the only way to break that system is for one to say, you know what, I don't really even, I'm, I'm talking as if I'm a world expert here, but you know, I, maybe I need to listen to you um, and, and consider what you have to say. And then the other person might say, oh yeah, like, ha ha, I, I've, I've won. But more than likely what will happen is that person will say, you know what, I, I actually don't really know what I'm talking about either. And then a real conversation can can happen right and they realize they're actually on the same side yeah and it's you know it really is just fear that that wants us to create these solid places and moving places because i think 
the courage comes in in trusting something bigger than ourselves and trusting that our mind is not actually going to grasp a perfect truth or a perfect right um, that it's actually bigger than ourselves and we won't actually know it until we let go of what we're holding on to. So developing a curiosity is the, the is kind of maybe the way out of it. The, I believe so. I think the other way of saying it that is within this uh, language of the absolute call that I think I've said to you and this is making sense to me is this idea that I want to cultivate within myself a sensitivity to the call of the sublime or and so when I say that what I mean by that is like this tugging at my sleeve that is that I that it's like my god I have to paint this or like I remember sometimes I'll write and sometimes that call to write comes at the most inopportune times but is every time that I kind of give myself over to that it always it's like it just flows out of me effortlessly the the words do anyways yeah that inspired place or from spirit yeah yeah you know in the christian faith it's like the holy spirit it's that inspiration that comes or um and it's bigger than ourselves and it's something outside of ourselves but it moves it actually we actually become embodied with it in yeah. a sense and it's wanting to move us yeah so what i hear you saying is to you know that the, the joy is allowing yourself to be moved. I'll, ha I'll come up with spontaneous song. You know, I was mm. just painting out at, um, up in Roundup with Koala out at the um, Evans Ranch, and I was driving home, and there was a hailstorm in Billings, and I had to wait, so I was kind of in this suspended space. I, wasn't, they, I, was, I, I was called by my mother in love and told not to come home yet because it was a torrential rains and Wait, flooding. wait, wait, wait. Your mother in love? My mother in love, yeah. Brian. Typically known as your mother in law, yeah. but you call her your mother in love. Yeah, okay. All Brian's right. mom. So um, it's in love that your relation to Brian that's right. exists. That's right. Okay. Uh, and I was driving home. So it was in this little suspended space. I had to wait, and then I, I got on the road to drive, and it was almost like I had to hold back from driving to where I wanted to go. So there was like this inst interesting dynamic happening there. And then I got on the road to get home and I was in a, you know, excited to get home and see my family and have dinner and had just had this beautiful day painting with Koala. And the song started coming out of me and I was singing mm. and it was so defined. I knew the words, I knew exactly, like I didn't know, but the words were coming. There was a chorus, there was a, there were, it was all about this freedom and expansion and it was about let it rain. And the whole song was this let it rain and it was this deep, even <laughs> in my body, this deep voice was coming out and I was singing loudly. And um, I almost wish I could have recorded it. I mean, if I would have thought about it, I would have grabbed my phone and recorded it. But yeah, it see, was that's this the problem, beautiful, is every time you try to like... I know, but then I trust that it's... It's a weird... It was meant to just yeah. be an expression for something something I don't know who what it affected but I know in my body there was a lot of healing it was a very healing feeling because there was this deep loud you know song coming out of me and then it was like vibrating in my body but um, this but it was fleeting it was fleeting but I hear what you're saying about this call yeah. to um, this fidelity 
to the absolute, this fidelity to beauty or this fidelity to allowing those things to happen. And I think that we can also be dedicated to taking in practices in our life that open our, that you know, leave us with some space for those things. Yeah. So curiosity creates space. So we're not just, I have to get this done, I have to get this done, I have to get this done. Instead, it's, it looks more like, what does this day hold for me? What's being asked of me today? And for mm. me, you know, I'm, I'm praying about that. I'm asking God, like, what do you have for me? What mm. are you asking of me today? Mm. And then this expansiveness happens. Um, but I don't try to hold on to or make anything happen. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that's the ideal. I do hold on to, and I do try to make things happen all the time, and I get myself in but to you, some but binds. You, but you're trying to, to be sensitive to that call and to, and to let that be the thing that animates you. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's what I'm trying to do. That's you the know, freedom. Just, yeah. That's the freedom. Because it all, anytime, anytime you do find yourself, it, to me, it's that, it's like being in the creative flow. Like anytime you're, you give yourself, any, when you're sensitive to that call within, within painting, all of a sudden you find yourself in that creative flow, time kind of falls away, everything starts just kind of coming naturally to you. That would be like the same for like in a relationship. It's it's a really similar thing of like being in love. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's not something that you can really define because anytime we try to define something, we're we're talking about things that exist, like physically. So the the way I've heard it said is like it's not as though things like love exist, but rather they insist. They keep on insisting in our lives. They keep on calling us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're sourcing us. Love is definitely something that you can focus on. I think there's an incredible amount of creativity and curiosity in focusing on love and being loving, you know, to ourselves, to, the, to everything around us. And then, you know, there's nothing you're holding on to. There's no rigidity in love. Nice. I think we've done it. I think we've solved all the world's problems. <laughs> Everybody should think exactly like us. <laughs> and, uh, you know, if they don't, we'll just kill them. Perfect. <laughs> that's, the, that's what we finally come to. Oh, my goodness. Whew. Okay. What's... <laughs> I always get so nervous doing these kind of... But it was good. I think I... I think I've said everything that I wanted to say on this topic. I think I've expressed that. Good. I like your curiosity. Yeah. All right. Anything else to add? What's, what's coming up this week for you? This week is painting. Uh, I have some new work coming from our Yellowstone trip. Just inspired by the Yellowstone trip. And... I'm really looking forward to working on the piece that I started there, especially with that sunset 
and just uh, seeing what happens from the influence of geothermal steam and sunsets reflected on water, hot, very hot <laughs> water, uh, and mountains. Yeah. yeah. I have to brag on, on you, Karin, here for a little bit because, so we're out there painting uh, by the Grand Prismatic Pool. And, you know, there's there's people all around us and everything. And Karin does such a great job of interacting with every group that comes by and talking with them. But also, like, when, you know, when you're in any kind of a national park, people um, are constantly, like, kind of asking, will, will you take a picture of me? And you've inspired me to try to, to try to change my attitude on that. Um, cause that can be annoying to me at times, but so Karin, I don't even think they asked you if, if no, you would take the picture, ask. but I Karin saw. just, she just intuitively saw that these people from India, right. Mm -hmm. Needed somebody to take a picture of, of them as a whole family. And, and it wasn't just one picture. It was like, you took like pictures from all different angles made sure that everybody was in the shot made sure you know that you really that you really gave them something special that the average person would not would not give so that's that was inspiring to me so thanks for doing that yeah thanks for being awesome oh thank you and um i was the, listening to the call you were listening to you yeah See, you're so sensitive to it. <laughs> <laughs> the other beautiful thing, comment that you made um, was that there's all these young kids walking around and we don't know the effect that we're having on them as artists out there painting on location. And so many, like so many kids, what did you say? One of them said like, mom, can we, next time we come, can we? Yeah. Can I do that next time we come? Yeah. Yeah. And they just, just the kids and the parents who were receptive for their children coming up and asking me questions about my work or commenting on the work. And then I would ask if the kids, you know, like to draw or paint and they usually do. And, uh, just in, you know, just being so grateful that, um, possibly what we're doing is inspiring more of that for the kids and the adults. Yeah. That's great. Okay, that's all for this week. Uh, I didn't. We didn't get around to any uh, any emails, but um, I'll try to. Maybe I'll record a second one this week and put it out there uh, partway through the week. We're also a day late on this one. That's okay. That's us in our uh, ability to be flexible. Right. We're very plastic. Like that dinosaur in your hand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening.